This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Pixie. And this is Rich. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of being trapped in an interdimensional void and thinking that things are really bad, and then ARG! Here come the pirates! Aye there, me buckos. Hand over your Fruit Loops and your Twinkies. We need something. Now, if you people are our uh, gentle listeners are familiar with the TriTech Games podcast on a long-term basis, you know that we've had up on our uh, top of our page or and, and, and stuff that this always there for like you know what are we about? And we've always said you know interdimensional exploration, dinosaurs, and pirates. That's been there from the beginning. So we keep going back to pirates. Uh, we did fringe pirates. We've done I don't uh, uh, air pirates, uh, and now we're going to do I guess void pirates. Yeah, weird pirates. No, no, it, that's that's. <laughs> I like the term void pirates. I like void pirates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like void pirates. Okay, great. So, um, and what we're talking about is weird zone. Rex, we're being attacked. Don't you worry, Dolores. Old Rex will dodge your sky pirates. I have you now, Rex Havoc. El Tarib, I knew I smelled something foul when I passed by Etawonga. Ha ha, sunny as ever, Rex. Surrender your cargo, or we will shoot you down and let the carnivores feast upon your entrails. So, Rex, what are we going to do? Well, my dear... You're going to man that 50 cal on the roof to it. Me? I'm going to do some fancy flying. Man up, Tareem. Rick's Havoc is coming through. Explore the world of the hardwired hinterland. Visit the lands of New Akron, almost Canada, and new old New York. Deal with Sky Pirates and the natives of Etawanga. It's your new home and your new life. Make of it what you will. The Hardwire Hinterland is a systemist role-playing campaign supplement from TriTech Games. You can use this supplement with any role-playing game rules that you like. Available as a PDF from TriTechGames.com. That's TriTechGames.com. Come to the Hardwire Hinterlands and let your imagination soar! Curse you, Havoc! You haven't seen the last of me! Yeah, well, the first of you turns my stomach. Hasty lumbagos, Tareeb. Rex, shut up and keep flying. Don't worry, Dolores. I'll keep them flying over the Hardwired Hinterland. Okay, so as far as transportation over to one of these worlds, there's a couple other things we haven't talked about. Okay, there is the possibility of um, of domesticating animals for the purpose of of doing this. You could have a, a, a kind of like a a um, uh, a sled, you know, uh, like a, a snow sled, but instead of huskies, you have geese, swans. 
That's a classic. Swans, yes. <laughs> a, big, a big flight animal that has powerful wings that you could get to fly in a direction you wanted them to go, and they could literally just tack, you know, drag you over to wherever you wanted to go. That's a lot of swans. Yeah. Not, well, it, I, don't know what, I don't know how much force a swan can produce. But again, it, it, if you're all you're trying to do is get there, and you're going to we, uh, reel back whatever you find, uh, it you know the you're I mean it could be a, it could literally be dragging you personally, or it could be a, a fairly lightweight shell that you're dragging over there. Yeah, those would have to be very big birds. Well, that that's the thing is like you not only have to accommodate your conveyance and your raiding party but also whatever you bring back. You're also leading swans with reins. Now, we, as we've said, the weird zone itself, zero G. You're going to have to direct those geese or swans to fly to where you land back on your zero, first of all, on the opposing zero plot, and then back on your own zero plot properly, because let's say you don't pilot that well and you end up, oh, 50 feet off the ground back on your zero plot where gravity kicks in. You, the swans, and your conveyance all come down to your zero plot with a crash. That's going to hurt. <laughs> yeah, we, you're kind of assuming that we're talking about these big, long traces going from the geese you know, or the swans or whatever back to your, your vehicle. It could be a vehicle with a big, long, you know, like... Uh, a post on the end of it and they're attached to that post all you want from them is to flap their wings as hard as possible to give you as much for you know velocity as possible it doesn't have to be one of these things where you're you're literally like flying behind them like uh, santa claus after his reindeer well yeah that's what i mean it's like you can see it there it's like you're there at the zero plot what are you doing i'm making a swan harness what <laughs> Go with yeah. me on this. Go with me on this. Yeah, and it could also be some of those really gigantic bats uh, that I, I I saw at the uh, San Diego Zoo one time. It was like ginormous. These things are you know huge. Um, there's also pelicans. Pelicans have huge wings. Oh yeah, yeah. Pelicans do. Yeah, and they're really strong because they they you know, they 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 eat a lot of fish and they got to carry all that with them. Yeah. Oh, alp- albatrosses are you can get huge too. And that's very genre. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, but also don't forget, because, you know, because they will show up, and I know they're not dinosaurs, but pterosaurs. Oh. Pterodactyls. Pterodactyls. Yes. Those. Yes. Which are not dinosaurs, but they're reptiles. But anyway. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a website. There's, there's web, no, there's a website out there that basically says, no, pterosaurs are actually reptiles. They're not dinosaurs. You know, when I grew up, they were dinosaurs. Uh, but yeah, but Panatalich would go no, and I'm in and I'm in the weird zone, so they can still be dinosaurs. Yeah, we'll call them dinosaurs. But yeah, you can have pterosaurs, Quetzalcoatlus, no Quetzalcoatlus, different name. Oh. But it's the lar- it was the largest one. It has the wingspan of a Cessna. Wow, now that would be cool. That would be totally cool. You take one of those babies and you just strap him down to that post and he's just being waving. Woof, woof. <laughs> oh, no, you're seeing that coming? Son, you got your shock and awe right there. You've got a living creature with a wingspan of a Cessna. 
take mm-hmm. my stuff. We just don't want that thing back again. Yeah. And, Here, and take I, it. I, don't come back. Yeah. Uh, there's also the possibility, because this is the weird zone, magic. Magic exists in this place. Oh, God, I didn't even think of using, you know, magical-type stuff. Right, so you could literally fly over there on a Pegasus, or, you know, you could have a fly spell, or you could, you know, have some kind of a fly carpet, gust of wind against a, a sock. <laughs> what, was, what, what was that, Josie? What? He said Pegasus, and a little bit ago he said Santa's sleigh. I just got the image of Santa's sleigh with Pegasi yeah. attached to well, it. Well, yeah, yeah, it'd it's be like, thing. It'd be, just, it'd be like a stagecoach or something. Yeah, be. or a wagon, you know. That could well, sort of would work. But you can't do them to a brace because the wings would get in the way. But you can do right, them exactly, it's a single yeah. line. Yeah. Single file to hide their numbers. Yeah. Yes. Of and of course, sand people. Never mind. Yeah, you know, we're, 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 we're thinking, That's you know, uh, I think part of, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I also think in the back of everyone's head, they're coming from this earth. I'm going, you as a GM don't have to, you know, you can have your people come from whatever world you want them to come from. And if they happen to be a wizard and his and his uh, fr- friendly adventurers, and his wizard tower now is out in the middle of the weird zone, go right ahead. <laughs> oh, like a and d a full-blown D&D adventuring party as weird zone pirates. Yeah, because they are anyway. <laughs> Her hobos on a whole different scale. Yes. <laughs> Hello. Uh, yeah, just, oh, man. There's an idea. Mm-hmm. And if the wizard's smart, he's got teleportation. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that that would that would be real shock and awe, man. Everybody gets their backpacks a holding and just go to it. We'll meet back yep. here in two minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you know the drill. Back, you know, break open the door. If they resist, kill them. Then take their loot. <laughs> or just walk up to the door and just cast sleep inside the door. Kick the door open. Yeah. Oh, great. Basically, it's become a munchkin game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, as soon as you introduce magic and D&D, you're already turning it into a munchkin game. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Though I can see that these guys would really love landing on a world, especially worlds that have, you know, large amounts of... Because paper money doesn't mean anything to them, but all those gold, all those coins, even though they're not made out of silver, uh, you know, coins and jewelry, yeah, they'd be going rating for this, this treasure. And, you know, we're talking, you know, oh, that kind of mindset. are always going to be over paper currency. Because yeah. even gold coins, you can melt them down, they're still gold. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if, if you're, you're playing it smart, you're going to go after anything precious metal, jewelry, what have you. And if you're really smart, Trav, you 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 basically make sure that all your uh, gold nuggets have a lead core. Uh-huh. You, you you have gold, but then you you basically you, you put lead in the center of it, or, or a piece of steel or something, you know. And so the, it looks like it's more it looks like it's a lot of gold, but it's really only an outer layer of gold, but thick enough that they can do something like cut it or bite it, and it still seems like it's real gold. Oh, for scamming the locals when you land someplace where they actually can defend themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. 
I think lead would be better because lead gives you in the right weight range where steel's not heavy yeah, enough. Yeah, you would need lead. Yeah. I just don't know how, how easy it is to get your hands on lead. I mean, you know, obviously in a modern situation, not so good. Uh, though in Fallout, it seems like there's a lot of it. Fallout 4. <laughs> yeah. I get, I, you know, actually, I'll take that back. There's a ton of it in batteries. So actually, it probably wouldn't be that hard to get your hands on it. Oh, oh God, if, if, me, being a, me being in the automotive aftermarket, and I didn't think of that. Hell. Yeah. What? But, you know, you're talking about this, and, yeah, particularly snark pirates that don't want to get themselves shot at would do that because yeah. it's another form of piracy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's scamming. So you land someplace, you know that first thing you realize, yeah, we're not taking these folks. Okay, guys, get the trade goods out and let's see how many people we can scam. We can scam and, you know, and go that route. Right, because, you know, it doesn't – because gold is so soft and has such a low melting point, it doesn't take that much to go and melt it down and cast it in whatever form you want to do it. So as long as you're in a situation where they can't test it effectively or chop it in half and make sure the inside is, let's say you were doing like a piece of art or something. So you didn't, somebody, nobody would want to go and do it. Just, oh, it's solid gold. Look how it weighs, you know. And then they figure out, well, gold weighs X amount. And they put it in there and it seems about right. You'd be like, well, okay, then I guess it is solid gold all the way through. And they pay you. you know. And if they have a touchstone, and rub it on it, it will rub true. <laughs> a t- a touch, actually, I, 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 we, had the, we had to sell some of my mom's rings, and the guy pulled a touchstone, and Leary rubbed the gold ring on and said, yeah, it's about that much, and, you know, and did, did that way. So, yeah, they still use touchstones. The idea of doing, like, an uh, electrolysis where you just put a microscopically thin layer of gold on top of something else, I don't think that would work out too well, except maybe if you were trying to sell something as a piece of art, just to make it look better. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember which, which has the lower melting point, lead or gold. But in either case, you know, you could still work with it. You could, like, make a, you know, make a shell of gold, pour the lead inside of it, and then put the other thing on top of it, you know. Work the edges to, 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 to hide the seal, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that. Um, but, yeah, magic, man. You could use magic for attacks, magic for defense. And, of course, you know, the biggest problem about being a pirate is getting hurt, because uh, unlike most of Tritac's other games recently, uh, there's nothing in the weird zone that says you heal any faster than you would normally. So if you if your game system says that you heal one hit point a day, maybe two hit points if you're getting you know constant care, you know, and you you got twenty hit points, and you get a slash from a sword. Okay, you're down half your hit points. You're gonna, you're basically going to be healing for the next couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. There is no unless you again you bring in magic or whatever. Yeah, it's pretty much you're out of commission until you get yourself back on track. Yeah, I mean that. This is where you you know if you're desperate for, if you're a pirate and you're desperate for sawbones. You go to the local hospital emergency room and wait to get you know with something that looks like you know have have somebody actually cut you. You go to the emergency room. There's the sawbones, and when you, you know, when it hits five minutes, reach up and give him a bear hug, and he's coming back with you. 
<laughs> oh, thank you, doctor. Yeah. <laughs> and while you're doing that, make sure you grab his his uh, his, his charge nurse because most uh, uh, operating room doctors are not that good without some, their backup. That's true too. Yeah. Well, you go in the group. Just go into the local hospital and just do a big bear hug at the last minute. And bam. And so, yeah, you can get yourself a medical staff set up really quick that way. Uh, of course, they'll hate you and they'll probably try to poison you the first chance they get. But, you know. Well, I don't In know that about, case, really why, watch the nurse. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a friend of mine in the dementia community. She has been a nurse for pretty much near 30 years. They don't take an oath not to harm mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so they might be able to convince the doctor to make something that, well, if I just put in their drink, they'll just all go to sleep, and then we just push them off the edge. Well, that's why you don't, you know, you have enough people on your plot to keep an eye on these kinds of people. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's probably going to be tough, you know, to do this. You know, uh, the best thing that you could possibly do would be, instead of going to a hospital, you know, go to their home and grab them and their kids. And then you've got their family to, you know, hold ransom against their good services. We're being really good people here, aren't we? Yes, we are. <laughs> I'm so, pirates, man, pirates, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, we're doing this for the sake of the game, folks. We really are nice people. You ever meet us in person? We really are great people. <laughs> Yeah, we, we promise we won't like hack off a limb. You know, if you don't pay, if you don't buy us a beer, we promise we won't do that. The beer would still be appreciated. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I see that being a pirate, you're going to end up. I mean, this is something that if you decide to do this, even as a secondary occupation like oh we scavenge on worlds and then when we're this weird zone we're casting nets and we're going to those zero plots to say that this is even beginning to be a dark and possibly mature players campaign only it, it kind of goes unsaid because your players your these characters are going to have to do some things that are it, you, you said that they're not going to be totally without morals they're still forcibly stealing from other people. And yeah, so... They're not exactly being friendly. Well, yeah, unless they go the scamming route. But he, they, as, as I said, even in a secondary... Even as a secondary... A secondary occupation, sort of this thing. is still a dark path that they're going down. And this would be a campaign where you would... This is... It would certainly be a mature theme. Because of the fact of the things that you're having to do in order to take things from other people. This is not a campaign for beginning gamers. It's probably, well, certainly not a campaign for younger gamers. If my 15-year, or no, God, he's going to be 16 now. If my 16-year-old nephew was in my Friday group, I probably still would not have him in this type of campaign. Just because this would be something you would want adults because they could deal with the topics and the things that you have to do in order to get these characters by. Just, just saying, it would be it. It is a dark path for the characters to go down because of the fact this because new of occupation. What you have to do, right? Yeah. Now, this is all assuming that the people they stay on the zero plot. There is the other alternative that is you build a large vehicle, and then you get off your plot. And I think at that point you're broken from your plot. Yeah, if your plot leaves you, you're 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 broken from it. 
Yeah, and therefore you build yourself a, well, a pirate vessel. And there's no limit to how big that can be. Yeah, yeah. the thing is, you know, it's like an artificial plot then, except there's no, there's no, what's the term in, in the games, no bind point. Yeah, so you're traveling around, and now you are, the only way you survive is by raiding other plots. Yeah, you would have to, and it would be constant because... Mm-hmm. Well, you raid the plots, and then you become bonded to that. You just take over the new plot. Well, you could if that's what you wanted to do. But if the whole point of it was for you to become a pirate and be able to go where you wanted to go and do what you wanted to do and not worry about you know your plot pop, you know popping out onto some world somewhere where you could be preyed upon as well. Well, my thing mm-hmm. is with this whole snapback mechanism, this whole bind point with the zero plot, it's a very handy escape route and, and, and freedom mechanism to have. Yeah, but the problem is is that most of, the, uh, most of the worlds in which you're going to, your house or whatever is going gonna, is gonna to be out of, of, of you know, whack of, with whatever is around it. I mean, because first of all, there used to be a house there where you landed. Okay, you're replacing somebody else's place. When you land, so everyone's going to notice that, unless you're literally out in the middle of nowhere. And so there's a very good chance that you're, upon getting there, you're immediately going to get into some kind of an issue with the uh, the locals, unless you literally take your plot and turn it into a fortress and just hunker down inside of it until you leave. But there's a lot of places they're going to they're going to demand that you pay attention to them, uh, and if you're there too long, then you think they could actually come and forcibly try to remove you, and so then you have a lot of security issues and everything else. That guarantee you're going to land on flat land. I actually had my players appear in a uh, uh, well, basically they took out a part of Boot Hill. <laughs> And then the rest of Boot Hill just slid right down to the zero plot. <laughs> or are you saying that they they landed and the plot was on an angle? No, no, they landed flat. They basically the fr- basically one part of the, of the plot was on the lowest piece of ground there, but everything else is over, was basically a, you know forming a dome over them, and this collapsed onto the plot. So basically, the, I, I, I always assume that it's, it goes to the lowest piece of level land when it, when it appears someplace, which means if you appear inside a hill, you appear inside a hill, partially. <laughs> you know, it is, it is 100 foot tall, so you will take out most of the hill. But the bit that's leaning up, that was being supported by the rest of the hill, will fall onto the plot at that point. Uh, yeah, on the edges, I guess, you know, it's... It, it, it says that you land in, in a you know in, in, you know in a relatively uh, stable place, but yeah, I, I mean I can see what you're saying where it basically cuts you know uh, an arc an, an arching part of the hillside, and if it's not made out of if it's made out of sandstone or you know something like that, it could collapse like a you know like a, a million dollar house in uh, Southern California during a a, a mudslide. Or Washington or Seattle, and we had those too. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's that's the thing right there. But that's, hey, if you're looking for dirt, you know that's a great way of getting dirt. Oh know. yeah. <laughs> well, if, yeah, you you act like it's you know it's done intentionally. <laughs> it's just, that's just happenstance. Yeah, yeah, it's entirely yeah, yeah. yeah. You you more often than not, you're just going to land somewhere, and you know there's going to be some some rough edges where you land, which again is going to make your 
your little your plot look out of out of whack, you know, to, with everything else. So uh, I I always assumed that whenever they landed, they were going to attract attention, and that that it, the probably the best thing for them to do is as soon as they land, just just get out of town as fast as possible, you know, just just take off and uh, in vehicles or whatever they had and drive away. Uh, leaving a few people to defend it if necessary, because that way there wouldn't be anybody like you know asking too many questions of you directly, and then you go off and do whatever you're going to do, and then you get you know pop, and you, you hopefully you get back or you pop back, uh, you know when the time's up with whatever supplies you've managed to get. But uh, that's why I was you know when I originally thought about this, I said okay they're going to do most of their raiding. Uh, in in the weird zone, and when they get to wherever they're going to go, they're going to hunker down. They're just going to basically stay behind their walls or their barricades or whatever, and just you know uh, stall whoever tries to talk to them uh, long enough for them to pop off into the void again. They're not really going to want to go out there and try to do that kind of stuff, unless they're like your warlord guy who's literally just you know he has a hundred people and they just you know swarm out around the area and just start taking wherever they can take. Yeah. Yeah. And then they realize all you got to do is you take a big bag with you and fill the bag up. And when the time comes, you'll come back home. Yeah. But you still got to take it away from somebody. And, you know, it depends on if you're in a modern city, they can bring an awful lot of police up against you in 30 hours. That's true. Well, up to, remember it's up to 30 hours. You could be there, you know, theoretically a lot shorter but I always say you, you're there for the length of the plot or 30 hours, whichever comes first. Uh. <laughs> right. Well, that makes that, of course, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. When I was thinking about like um, about doing the rating, OK, um, and I was thinking about dragging people behind, you know, on lines and you've got your vehicle that's flying over there. They, you know, The vehicle can actually fly over the uh, zero plot and then as you guys hit the uh, the bubble and the gravity, you just swing to the ground, you know, and, and uh, the, uh, the whatever you, you're using to fly can actually just stay up in the air. It doesn't actually have to land. Actually, this is a case I would make for actually a wing, i.e. A, 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 a parasail, parachute. You know, you pop them and come floating on down. Well, pop, you know that that those are some uh, those are some high end uh, parachutes that can pop out and, and and you get to the ground before you uh, in a hundred feet. Oh no, actually, you pop them before you even get there. You know, you pop them to say like you're within say a hundred feet. You pop them to the to the inflate and get ready. Then you come sailing on down when you when you hit the bubble. Okay, I'm not quite sure what would keep you moving because as soon as you pop that parachute, you're going to stop. No, 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 because you're being towed still. Oh, okay. Well, that that's the <laughs> okay. So we're zooming along at thirty-five miles an hour, and all of a sudden, boom! One mile an hour as you're cranking all those parachutes along, trying to get them over to where they actually get grabbed by the by the gravity of the zero plot. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 the other way of doing it too would be like you 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 get over the zero plot, and they're on bungee cords. Yeah. The other way of doing it is actually to come up from the bottom. Where they, they come over and they and they go in and they grab onto the other side of the zero plot and they climb up the side and over the edge 
and uh, and and you know, well, of course, I think they would they would hear you coming because whatever, unless you're using magic or something, your your propellers or whatever are going to make a lot of noise. Well, it also means that they see you too, because we're all assuming that we're all nice and yeah, we're two dimensional thinking. To use a line from a movie, uh, the, the zero plots can be at any angle, literally. So yeah, they may not even know you're there because you're underneath them, and they're at the some weird angle. They can't see you because you're literally underneath them, but you can see them just fine. And hey, you know what? I see a I see a basement of a g- parking garage. We have a way in. <laughs> Well, that would be nice. That would be very fortuitous. Of course, if that was really true, you know that. Uh, I, well, I, they they would probably close that up if they didn't if they weren't launching their own vehicles from down there, because that's where I would launch my vehicles. <laughs> well, it, it could be an office building, and you know, unless of course they're unless of course they're financial pirates. Uh, I don't see. Yeah, I don't see a whole lot, you know them doing a whole lot there because surviving that kind of place is kind of you know we've we've eaten we've eaten all the lunches in the lunch, in the refrigerator. What do we do now? Right now, now the gravity on the zero plot it's basically normal to the top of the zero plot, right? That's correct. So you'd be uh, hanging. You'd be basically doing like climbing. Uh, one of the, doing one of those uh, advanced climbing routines because. No, but the thing is, no, because because technically it stops at the edge of the plot. So you your hands would be in gravity, but your rest of your body would be in zero g. So you actually could climb quite easily. Okay. Well, because what I was thinking of is is that if you had that situation where you had a basement that was exposed, that would be where I would put all my 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 launch vehicles. You know, they would basically they would just peel out of there. You know, and I could keep the surface of my zero plot for other things. And then when they came back, they come in and they like you know land like on the Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Actually, you could put a ramp in, or you could extend a ramp out. Yeah, well, the ramp would get cut off every time you land someplace. But you but you make an extension. But you you retract it before that happens, John. Yeah, yeah. Basically, do a Viper launch. Yeah. At that point. Yeah, you could even like have a big rubber band or something that would that would like throw them out. They've tried doing things like you know. Uh, I'm trying to remember here, uh, you know, uh, you know, like pulling, you know, using a pulley and pulling things to give it some force, but that doesn't work very well. Now, I would just I, I put on wheels and, and put it on a 45 degree angle, a ramp from the surface, push them down. There they go. Woof. Gravity does the rest. That so, to get yeah. the zero G, in which yep. case it doesn't matter. <laughs> yep. But now you got to turn your engines on because the, there is drag, so you still need the engines going at that point. <laughs> oh, yeah, and and of course, uh, I don't know how affected um, uh, engines are by zero g, uh, but I assume that they would still work. I thought about that, and you actually may have to do some jiggery pokery. As long as the engine's going, when you hit zero g, you have gravity from the engine. Pushing you for gravity through acceleration, it won't be mu- it won't be much, but it will be enough that you, the fuel will feed. Otherwise, you got to do something like a balloon or something in the gas tank to shove the fuel down into the fuel pile into the fuel pump. Well, or you could just use um, uh, a fuel injection. Yeah, I was going to say that that would be the thing. It's like zero g. You still would have problem with the fuel getting through the engine, and it's like, yeah, you'd have to have some way. And then Bruce said fuel injection. I'm like, okay, yeah, something that just pushes it through. 
Yeah, but yeah. you still got to get out of the fuel tank, though. The fuel tank, if the fuel tank is in zero G, it's just a bu- it's just a bubble sitting, a ball of fuel in the middle of the tank. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you, you have to have the the thing going into the middle of the tank, sucking it out. Basically, you have to do some sort of jiggery pokery to, to make it to make it work. Yeah, you know, or in your fuel in your fuel tank might be like a plastic bag instead of a hard container because that way it collapses as the fuel gets pumped out of it, and so it keeps you know being fed. Yeah, or you got or you've uh, got a weather balloon inside there, and you're blowing it up as its fuel's going along. Whatever you, you have, some means of pushing the fuel out. But like I said, there there will be sufficient gravity. Uh, at least acceleration, you know, cre- created by just moving through the air, you know, uh, it won't be much, but maybe it'll be enough to sell the fuel. So it won't feed at one G, but it will feed at something. So, of course, once you stop accelerating, the fuel will then start floating. So, like, yeah, that's why you just come up with a solution that works, and, and yeah. you'll be fine. You know, yeah, so, 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 th- so this is something for your GMs out there. You have your pl- you have your techie player make his ticker to figure out how to keep the engine, keep the fuel flowing in the engine. Now, the one good thing uh, about this versus a game like Fringeworthy is electricity does work. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Battery powered. Yeah. Nuclear powered, all that stuff. Yeah, if you if you've got it, it'll work. Yeah, well, it can even be battery powered because again, we're in zero G, so it doesn't really matter how how many you know whether you have twenty batteries strapped together on your vehicle. Oh wait a second, I just had a thought. You talk about battery power. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Charging the batteries are going to be a problem. Then I thought, wait a second, they're moving these zero plots are moving through air. You, if you can get them, you get windmills and you put them out into the stream because you are moving and the air will move over them and they will turn that's a weird thought there john but it would work it might i never really thought about like a wind turbine get just as yeah. you go weird zone and though, I, though i actually put on a belt because i leave the generator on the, on the zero plot just in case we don't get it back in time we don't lose the generator we just lose the windmill <laughs> Because generally it'll be harder to get than the windmill. Because you can make the windmill like a Dutch windmill with cloth and sticks and stuff yeah. like that. You just have something you can just basically lever up into, you know. Back up in place, yeah. But put it down to charge those batteries. But since this thing does project out about 100 feet. I thought the dome ended, I thought the dome ended right at the edge. Well, no, I, it, it doesn't because they've got pictures of uh, the protective area around a zero plot. It's, it's not, a, it's not, you know, it's not ginormous, but it is. It is have a certain. Amount. I think if you had a hundred foot long boom, it would definitely be more than enough to uh, to get outside the uh, the protective area. And there's a lot of stuff that actually you know happens out there that you that is supposed to be protecting you from. You know, there's all kinds of debris floating out there. Uh, there's all those weird things that end up on your zero plot to begin with, the jelly fires and the and all the various things. They're all just out there. And so that's that's one reason why you go and you set nets and you throw them out and you pull back all kinds of crazy stuff because there's a, there's a ton of stuff actually just floating around in the, you know, in, in the, the weird zone, the weird zone space, void space. I can imagine, well, the vast majority is just going to be junk. I mean, 
Because I think because what happens that you, you I can imagine uh, having a bad encounter with something that basically destroys your zero plot. This breaks it up into little chunks, and and the chunks as they leave, they're no longer attached. The only, the only time I'd ever think that would happen is if you were literally on a direct collision course with another zero plot. Yeah, be the ultimate game of chicken. Except that you have no control over it. And here's the thing. You can't control how your zero plot moves. Yeah. That's That would be devastating. You'd end up with two... That'd be like two asteroids hitting. Mm-hmm. You'd end up with our pieces. You'd be living in rubble. Oh. <sighs> oh, that, yeah, if you, if you survive it. Because basically, yeah. how, how big are most zero plots... They're at least 100 feet across. You get hit with a 100-feet asteroid. <laughs> yeah. Your best bet is... Well, it all depends on the relative velocities. What I understand about the weird zone, you're going to see that coming from a while. Yeah. Um, Where are you going to go? And if you have a way off, you're going to want to get Because both off. of them will be destroyed. Both of them will be destroyed if they collide head on like yeah, that. Yeah, your best bet, jump. Yeah, jump. Yeah. I pray you, pray you land on Yeah, something. that's your best bet, jump, and you're just free floating until you either hit another zero plot or, well, you starve. Or you come back to the same one. Yeah, because what happens is that the two of them will wonk into each other and merge. Bits will come off. Definitely bits will come off, but they will merge and pretty much sell out to be well, another zero plot at that point. Well, there, I think they're going to be a big pile of rubble, and you may come back and land on that rubble. But it's going to, it's you know, I don't know what kind of it's it's going to be like being on a big, huge gravel pile now. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And it's like the structural integrity of that is going to be none. It's basically you trying to climb yeah, a rock pile. It just but yeah. If you've jumped from the plot, if you've jumped from it, just abandoning it, and they they crash into each other. There, there's going to be debris everywhere. There's not going to be a there's lot of stuff gonna, left. There's going to be debris everywhere. Whatever pieces of rubble are inside the bubbles that just crash into each other are probably going to come back together when they when it pops out. But you're not there. So there's that disconnect. Yeah, I would think if yeah. two zero plots were to crash into each other and basically just blast each other into rubble, you're free of the zero plot. You're, yeah, I would. You're think, probably right. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing to hook. If there's, it depends on how much is actually destroyed when they crash into each other. But yeah. as I said, it, it would, as, as Bruce said, relative speeds. It would depend on how fast they're going it when they. If they just do, you know, like a little. What was that in Lost in Space? I'm going to give you a little kiss and you just bump the other fighter. Yeah, it's just Bing, gonna, that's not a problem. Maybe a couple a few, chunks. Couple chunks, but there's still enough of the landmass that. It's held together by the bubble. But if they come up and it's like, and you and guys will hear like, this, they hit like that, 250 foot across, land masses hit. No, that's, congratulations. Like two. Now, you now can make a new dirt road because you have plenty of gravel. Yeah. yeah. And at that point, there's nothing to be held together by that shifting bubble. So there's... Because when those two land masses hit... It's going to scatter, yeah. There's, yeah. It's too scattered to ever come back together through that. So, 
Well, no, some of it's going to scatter and some of it's just going to stay together. So whether you, you might end up with more or less of the original plot, but it's going to be all broken. It's going to be as, you know, it's going to be gravel was what's left. There's going to be all kinds of stuff floating around all around because it's going to, you know, blast off in all directions because of the collision. Yeah. And the, and the two yeah. plots are, yeah, but the two plots also are merging and if they weren't, and they, if they weren't on the same plane, though, they're basically, they're merging and they're merging their gravity. So they'll be fighting out which ways, which ways up at that point. Yeah. Doing the merge. And yeah, it'll just be a churn. If you're in there while I was churning while I try to figure out which way is up, I, you wouldn't last a second. You got to wait till the churning stop. Yeah, you get but, pulverized. I, okay, I was, I was going at this assuming you've seen this coming and there's no way out of this except just jump off the side and hope you land somewhere better. Mm-hmm. You might end up there and say, I can't live on that, that, that churning pile of rubble. And if you had some kind of... Uh, you know, uh, you know something that you could use to beat against the air. You could w- try to work your way over and try to get over to, to another plot. Just hope that sooner or later, you know, you'll see something coming slow enough that you can get over to it. I mean, uh, sooner or later, yeah, I, assuming you don't die of hunger and thirst and exhaustion. Thirst first. You'll die of thirst first. Well, of course. But, you know, it, it's... Uh, <laughs> It depends. I mean, you know, you could, I mean, if you run into a big storm cloud, you could drown first. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. Now, of course, this is assuming that you get, this is a hard impact. If it's a slow impact, then you definitely would see a merge, definite merging of the two, but you're never guaranteed it could be on the same plane. So you could be sitting going, so what are we going to do? I mean, it's uh, relative impact speeds, five miles an hour. You know, and he's at a forty-five degree angle to us. Uh, this is going to be interesting when they when we hit at this point because you know uh, it'll, it would be interesting because I, I would imagine that two would just basically start bending and lifting and twisting until they're both flat at that point. If it's uh, normal and or it's vertical to the top of the zero plot, and you have and you're, you have two zero plots that are forty-five degree angles to each other, well, some one of them is going to have either they both have to give up the idea of being you know, they have to adjust, or one of them has to adjust to match up to the other. Yeah, I think the the the, the bigger, the the larger mass one will pretty much determine which way's up, but it still won't be the original up. It'll be a little bit different now. You know, would be even cooler would be if you ended up with staying that way, where you had two forty-five degree angle zero plots. Just that's the way they are. Okay, we, they get stuck together. You know, you you walk up, you basically walk flat, and then you have to step over the 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 uh, the interface to the other one, <laughs> like stepping over the edge of the fringe uh, uh, platforms. You know, and and that's. You know, that's a good question. And friendship, too bad Richard's not responding because. I, you know, because I actually had my players land not on Earth, but on a O'Neill colony. A what? You know, and the, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, oh, are you there, Richard? Yeah. Land on a, and I also told him, there, you, you can tell you're moving faster, and you're moving faster, and you're moving faster. Why? And then they found out why, because they were matching speed with the rotation of the O'Neill colony. And they poop, they were on the O'Neill County. But the thing is, I had them have normal gravity on the plot. You got off, you have corral, you basically have spin gravity on the rest of the, of the, of the colony. 
So I'm wondering if that's the case. If that really is the case, that means um, the two wouldn't collapse, and you would actually have one at 45 degree angles, and, it w- and you land, it stayed that way. So it depends on who's in charge of which way you're landing. You know, is it our turn to land flat, or is it his turn to land flat? You know. <laughs> okay, um, clarify. What is an O'Neill colony? Oh, big c- cylinder. Uh, it's about 20 kilometers long by about 10 kilometers wide. It, it, at that size, it spins uh, ha- one half revolution, about, about half, a, half revolution, uh, one revolution per two minutes or something like that. It gives you one G on the surface. Okay. All right. Which is pretty dang fast when you think about you you making you you having a cylinder ten miles across moving it. Well, yeah, it's just you were you throwing this term around, I'm and sorry, there may be some people who just, didn't know what it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jones yes. and I are just looking at each other, like, going WTF? Yeah. Yeah. Get on Wikipedia real quick. O'Neill uh, County. Yeah. Right. Well, if if the gravity on a zero plot is actually something that is an attribute of the zero plot then that could make it kind of interesting when you go to different worlds because you might go to a world which has really low gravity or really high gravity, and your zero plot would have a different gravity. <laughs> Ooh, but there be air. There definitely would be air current problems then. Maybe a have, little bit. Yeah, depending on how different they are, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you could go to some world where the, the, the if it was a really light world and the uh, natives you know, come decide to attack you, they cross over on your zero plot and fall flat on their faces because all their they're not their muscles aren't designed to carry like another fifty percent of their body mass. Or and their bones probably aren't designed either, so you hear lots of breaking bones at the same time too. You know, uh, I've never heard I've never actually heard a bone break. <laughs> I I felt a bone break, but I don't think I've ever actually heard one. No. Only it sounds movies. like when you snap a spare rib. <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, but uh, so, so, so Richard, here's a question. So we are my zero plot. I know we're straying from the topic, but my zero plot lands in the world. The atmosphere on the world is methane. Am I, are we totally screwed? Or are we, are, are we happy in our little bubble of oxygen and they'll stay that way? Um, I've never had one uh, that's landed in a different type of environment. And uh, landing into a foggy, uh, into fog, the fog would creep in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, actually, your, your game says that you'll never land someplace where the atmosphere is bad for you. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's someone guiding you, <laughs> keeping if you, you safe. say so. <laughs> nah. So, yeah. But you could land someplace where the Earth is bigger or smaller, but not so much that you die the second you step off, though. Right, right. So I'm saying, you know, it's I'm, I'm well, I'm, I'm not, but like I said, it is it could well, it's up to up to the GM there. I, there's nothing in the text about that. It's just mostly, you know, I, I was just talking about where I mean, if it was two Gs versus one G, it wouldn't kill anybody, but it would be it would suck. You know, as far as you know, it would be, it be, it would be really dis- disruptive for the natives versus you. You know, if it was you know whichever whichever direction you want to go, you know, it'd be kind of cool. You'd be trying to do little John Carter stuff, bouncing around at one third G, you know, uh, on their world. But uh, 
you know, uh, at the same time as that they would be having a hard time coming onto your plot if the gravity stays with your plot. So, is is that the case, Richard? Is that uh... um again? Probably you're going to be very close in match gravities. Okay, so we're never going to. So it's never going to be. It always will be within like five percent or something like that. You're just saying. Within that, but I love the John Carter idea. That's absolutely yeah. excellent. Yeah, the thing is, if you land on a two G world, it's great cardio. You just walk out and go, "Oh my god!" And uh, you take a few steps, come back, and yeah, you got cardio at that point. <laughs> it feels that way every time I go on a, on a, on a camp out with the Boy Scouts with the pack and all that. You know, sure, because all of a sudden I weigh another forty pounds. Uh, but yeah, okay. So if the so if the, so the gravity is going to be within. All right. So so our scenario where you have two. Two merged at forty five degree angle and they di- and they don't like level out. If they land, the one that's sticking up, does it fall down or does it stay there? At the forty five degree angle, Richard. Uh, when you land at a forty five degree angle, ooh, I think you would match the the smaller the uh, plot would eventually match the other. Eventually, they they flatten out. They would flatten out, but you know that that'll take time. But so we make our first landing, and there's this little plot stuck into the big plot at fifty at forty five degree angle. Does it go plump at that point, or does it stay stuck up at forty five degree angle? It would it would slowly slowly settle. T- uh, turn. It would settle. Okay, without so. destroying whatever on the other plot, the smaller plot. Hmm. So, okay, so they will flat. Well, except, of course, wherever it lands on top of and pushes down and makes new ground. But, yeah, it, it, it'd be fluid at that point, I would imagine. All right, well, back to our topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we still didn't address that, you know, the, the one thing I brought up earlier that, yes, if you do find them, they are rare. But you, if you do find another void pirate, they're the best pickings out there because they have the best stuff. Because they've been, they that's what they do, and they have all the good. Basically, pirates who raid pirates get, you know, normally are hunted down. But hey, there's no code of the pirates here. You know, you see another pirate, he's fair game. Well, what, what, wouldn't you just kind of like um, wear yourselves out against each other? I mean, unless of course there's they're grossly different. I mean, you have a, like a super pirate who who goes and starts preying on other smaller pirates. Then yeah, I could see that. You know, that that might work. Yeah, and of course you'd have no compunctions against doing that. Oh, great! The Dexter avoid pirates. Great. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. I mean the, when we, we oh, Rich, I don't think you heard that one. We 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 posited the 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 folks said, you know, screw this. They build a void ship and they leave their plot, and now they go yo ho 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 sailing the sailing the weird zone, looking for plots to 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 attack. Yep, but they would eventually they would become linked to the plots they raid. Why? They're not staying on them very long. Yeah, they they're leaving. How them. long does it take you to attune to a plot? Depends if the plot comes out of uh, comes out of the weird zone. I thought you had to be on it when it made a transition in order for you to become attuned to it. Well, as long as you're on a vehicle that is that only stays out in the void, I don't see why that would ever happen. 
Well, yep. you have the chance if the, if the if the target plot, if you uh, land on it and it transfers, then you are part of it. Oh yeah, I agree with that. Oh, that, that's a question we had before, and we we we, we sort of you know hand away. But the, the five minute warning does it work in both work both ways? As you get a five minute warning before you transit to a world. You would probably lose that ability if you were in a vehicle. No, no, but I'm saying if I'm on a world, on a, on a zero plot, still in the weird zone, do you get a five-minute warning that's about to transit to a, to a planet? Yes. Okay. All right, so I guess the, the last thing is to say, what would be the conditions under which you would give up your life of freebooting and, and, um, and, and piracy and crime? What well, what would be the the um, the end game conditions where you would just say okay we just can't keep doing this when they wrap me body in a shroud and push me out and and, and put yeah me in I was gonna say pirate <laughs> you're doing it or you until find it. an absolutely excellent zero plot you don't want to leave but now you still got to defend yourself against the other pirates though. But still, you, you, you've given up the life of piracy. You've now become essentially the local police force, the, the defenders. Void cops. Yep. Or uh, border patrol. Uh, what would that really, really sweet plot look like? I mean, is there a, a particular location that that would, uh, you know, that that would be? Or, you know, like... What what are you envisioning when you think of this place that it would be just too choice for them to give up and they would just you know they, they would just live there for the rest of their lives? I would say probably you would have to have farmland so you could sit there and grow food, maybe ha- probably a farm mm. because you have if it had both crops and livestock and animals, you could have eggs, you could have milk. If you really wanted to kill one of your cows and have beef, frying or chicken. You'd have vegetables. That way then you could grow. Um, usually a lot of farms, because they have tractors, they, they will have some type of mechanical facility because you need to upkeep your tractors. So I would say a farm, an active farm would be your best, one, a real yeah. good zero plot. With a good say, water supply. Oh, You guys well, are thinking yeah, too well human. You're thinking too human. Because this is happening to all the Earths, I would say it shows up a Tremelin tree house and the associated plants around it. <laughs> it will take care of you for the rest of your life. <laughs> you find one of those and you know what it does? You're not leaving there. No. The only way you would know is if you were eye dead or a fringe traveler. No, would it? No, would it? No, would it be willing to 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 bond with you? I mean, you're despicable. You're a pirate. It depends on how despicable this group of pirates is. I would definitely fertilize it every chance I get. <laughs> well, I don't know if you're trying to convince a Tremelin home tree that you're not a bad person. I'm sure there would be a lot of quote unquote fertilizer involved. Yes, I agree. I totally you see agree. what I did there? Yeah, yeah I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. Be. Well, much like uh, our discussion about the um, uh, where where to hang out uh, during the zombie apocalypse, um, I know that there are places that are these gigantic 
uh, warehouses that they use to supply food that they stock. They basically they they stock food and and supplies for like the big major chains, uh, supermarkets and such. And like in a big metropolitan area, there might be a, a huge stockpile of this stuff because you know the, the the trucks will normally come in and out. If you got like a big chunk of one of those where you literally had you know six stories full of canned goods and other types of stuff, uh, and especially a wide variety of stuff, all in like a really large plot. You know, it'd be like, I can't possibly eat all this stuff for the rest of my life. As a matter of fact, if pirates come, just let them have what they want. Because, you know, we're, there's just no way that, you know, we're going to, you know, that we're ever, that, that they're even going to make a dent in all the stuff that's here. And, and which, of course, would be why you as the pirate might want to, you know, hang your hat there. Because, you know, you don't, you actually don't have to raid unless you want to. Yeah, actually, I'm thinking. Uh, what was that one? Um, it was near. It was near Washington D.C. It was that the hotel that masked the bunker. If that went zero plot, you have a fully stocked bunker with supplies that would last twenty, thirty years for several hundred people. You know, uh, that'd be something. Also, you'd be considered a sweet plot. The big question is how much of the bunker is left intact, and how much is like you know. Uh, open, open to open to void space, weird weird space at that point. Yeah, heck, Cheyenne Mountain. Yeah, uh, trouble is, trouble is, you take the top of Cheyenne Mountain, which means most of the water is left behind at that point, because you only get a hundred feet above above ground level. So unless you, no exceptions, Richard. Only a hundred feet above. Eh, we can have exceptions. All right, so yeah, Cheyenne uh-huh. Mountain. It's quite a bit underground, so you probably wouldn't get it. You might only get a couple of elevator shafts. You might not even get anything. Yeah, that's just true. The top yeah. of the, just to the top of the mountain where you go in. Yeah. Well, no, the, the, the entrance to Cheyenne Mountain, because I lived in Cairo Springs and was there and visited, the entrance actually is at pretty much at, at, at the ground level of the, of the base inside the mountain. So if you get the entrance, you get the you get the... Thing, but the trouble is, you have to get pretty much the entire mountain to get all of the base because it's basically only like five stories tall inside the mountain. And then it's got mountain on top of it, and the Russians aimed their their ground penetrating nuclear weapons at them, so there was basically it wouldn't survive an attack. But anyway, that was you know. Anyways, that's why I was suggesting the uh, big warehouse because then you're getting more bang for your buck as far as supplies are concerned. Yeah, just you know, ask yourself. Okay, everything here is is probably fresh. Therefore, look at the date and keep track of the freshness date, and then add another six months of that. And then that's when you just go, okay, this is fertilizer now. <laughs> at some point, I know those canned goods. Yeah, another possibility to me would be some kind of a brigadoon, where you have a nice little village and magic is keeping everything going. So you still have little waterfalls and there's water. There's going to be a constant water supply and it's a closed in ecosystem. Even though it's a zero plot, it's perfectly stable and perfectly supplied. And you can live there without having to worry about, you know, bringing stuff in from the outside for the rest. You know, even if you go to another world, it's still, you know, it literally is Brigadoon. A shopping mall. Yeah. Yeah. Not, 
Yeah, except the they the food court. I mean, everything in the food court will will go bad in days because there's no there's no power at that point. Most of it's canned. Yeah. Anything yeah. anything interesting you want to eat like meat, it will you basically cook it up right then. You know, set fire. You start fires in the middle of the of the of the floor and start cooking cooking the meat so it lasts a little longer. At that point. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I, I imagine a shopping mall would be too sterile for me because I wouldn't be able to grow anything there, you know. And it, it depends on, on you know what you know whether you start you know how savvy you are about the you know the weird zone uh, because I mean the either bunnies are really cold, right? So you could start using them as a form of refrigeration while you're if, if they're if they're present enough, you could start harvesting critters. And using them for various things. Oh, I can see it now. You got this. You got the in in the in the um, in the in the uh, meat locker. You got this hutch of ether bunnies keeping it cold. You just got to feed them every day flowers and grass because that's what they eat. Yeah, and then they're going to be gone. You know, I'm just saying they'd have to. You, 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 if you're kind of zero plot that apparently the bunnies like, and they according to the book, you know, light. Um, and heat and things like that do attract critters. So, you know, you might, you might have a fairly good chance of, of getting a, 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 rel, a rel, I'm sorry, a regular supply of them showing up and then you just run out there and net them and throw them in to your, uh, your freezer and, and just keep things, you know, going on a, on a cool basis. Or, or unless, of course, you actually have enough power and fuel and you can just go ahead and run a, a compressor, in which case it's, it's not an issue. Yeah, if you figure out some way to get air, you know, use the fact that, like, like I said, use the uh, windmills and stick it out and out, outside the uh, bubble and catch the wind, uh, you'll be able to generate power. It's just a matter of getting the, you know, having enough people to run the windmills and everything like that. So, yes, you're starting to look at a minimum of, like, like you said, 20 people, 30 people, 40 people. Um, I think you'd need at least 30 people uh, to be a pirate uh, base, if not probably closer to probably closer to 50 when you start adding in women and children. So, R- Richard, uh, one of the things we're making an assumption here is, is that the zero plots are moving along through uh, void space, but the air in void space is not necessarily moving at the same rate that the zero plots are. So that allows you to you know, stick a windmill out and actually gain the ability to get mechanical energy, which can be turned into electricity or anything else by doing that. Is, is is that a feasible thing to do? It sure is. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, the reason I thought this because you, when you put the nets out, the nets drag, and if the nets drag when you go fishing, uh, there obviously is you're moving it fast enough to to, to harness that wind. So yeah. Um, actually, that's another way of actually doing it too. You just you drop a kite and just let it drag behind you, and it, as it pulls out, it pulls a generator, and you got a fast charge at that point. And then you wheel it back, hand, lead, hand wind it back, and then you let it run out again. But there's other ways of generating power that way too. But yeah, if you're smart. Now, of course, we, you know some people may not. You know, we may actually get you know a frat house going, you know, traveling around, and those guys have no clue whatsoever at that point. <laughs> well, in in the book, they it details a apartment uh, complex, mm-hmm. a small yep. one that is everything has gone wrong. And at the end, there, there's basically another plot is trying to save the few people that are left. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, the what, Spice Tree Apartments, I think it is, or was that a different one? Oh, that's right, the little story. That's right, the little story. The, the little yeah. story you have running with it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So uh, okay. All right. Well, uh, thanks everybody for being here and discussing this. I I, I agree with Trav that uh, playing a pirate under almost any circumstance is going down a dark path, and it's one of those campaigns that would be probably a little bit more dark and serious, which, you know, frankly, when I read the, uh, you know, the the game, it says the day that everything went to hell. So I think that that's probably, wor- you know, worthy thing to do. It's not one of those, you know, games where you necessarily have to go, um, you know, in the, uh, you know, the, the kumbaya direction. I mean, things can get pretty dark. Things can get pretty desperate. You can make some decisions that, you really can't come back from. And uh, it may drive you in a direction of becoming a pirate. And if it does, well, we hope that these ideas that we've suggested will help you get yourself on your way, uh, you know, so you can get your booty with the least amount of, uh, of uh, pain and suffering to the, uh, the people you're raiding. And uh, maybe every once in a while you may find out that uh, uh, it's not worth it to, to do this path. But, you know... It's got to be worth it, at least initially, or you wouldn't be doing it. So uh, the high-spirited uh, uh, you know, idea of being a pirate on the uh, void space, if that appeals to you, well, we hope you tr- give it a try, and we hope that you'll let us know how your, uh, uh, your experiment went uh, by posting to our Facebook groups uh, and all uh, the, uh, uh, the Friends of the TriTech podcast. And uh, or the Tritech Games Gamers.com or the Google Groups. What's that one called, John? Uh, Tritech Games. Tritech Games. Any of those places. And let us know how it went. And because we'd love to hear more about how you play our games. And we'll have more for you next week. But until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.